You are listening to Grow a Thriving Practice with Jillian Faldmo. This is episode 13, Holding Space, part one. Grow a Thriving Practice, a podcast made for biofield tuning practitioners, offering the resources to enhance your practice, grow your business, and continue your journey of self-discovery. I'm your host, Jillian Faldmo. Welcome to today's episode. This is actually going to be the first part of a series on holding space. And I'm going to do a few parts on this because once you really master the art of holding space, you really master the work itself. You start to master the part of your practice that is being the practitioner, right? I mean, if you think about it, the technical piece of biofield tuning is pretty straightforward. We're learning to find perturbations, to resolve them with the tools that we have, and to complete the adjustment. And really, it's just that and remembering the steps in the sequence. That's the technical piece. But when it comes to um, holding space, you know, when clients are sharing their story or maybe they're emoting, um, even having involuntary movements on the table, this is where practitioners start to experience some doubt and insecurity. And thoughts begin to creep in, like, I might mess this up, or I'm not doing it right, and those types of thoughts. So at first, I just want to reassure you, especially if someone is having a big release during a session, maybe they're crying or shaking, that it's really natural for the brain to think that something has gone wrong. That's a perfectly normal knee-jerk reaction to that moment. Why is that normal? Why is it perfect? Because that's our brain's way of trying to keep us safe. And even though nothing has actually gone wrong, our brain is still constantly, it's always scanning for danger. So when it picks up on something that's out of the ordinary, something unfamiliar, its main objective is to stop and fix it. And while we've learned that it's not our job to fix, and we certainly don't want to stop the process while we're tuning, everything in our body is telling us to do the opposite, right? This is especially the case for new practitioners. And let me just tell you about the first time I had somebody on my table respond to tuning in a big way that that scared me. And this is probably not the first time that you've heard this story. Um, but while I was working on this gentleman who was pretty new to biofield tuning and energy work in general, um, he, um, he began to shake on the table and I felt fear and anxiety come up in me. And some of it was what I was encountering in the field, but a lot of it was my own. It was my own fear, my own anxiety. So what was happening was we were working in this area and it had a lot of resistance. And as we worked to unwind it, he he began this uncontrollable shake. And he was caught off guard, and so was I. Fortunately, I had something to reference for myself that, that kept me in a more conscious place. So in a session that I had received, not too much prior to that, I had the same experience as the client on the table of shaking. 
And this was a session that I was receiving from Eileen McCusick, and we were working with the left side of my throat chakra and unlocking some suppressed desire and creativity. And my body began to shake quite a bit, much like his was. And I remember the space that she held for me. She wasn't phased at all that my body was reacting in this way. And having her be that calm, centered, and grounded presence really helped me to feel safe and helped me to trust that I was going to get through this. And the shaking didn't stop during the session um, until after I got home. And she, she reassured me that that was just part of my process and that it would settle down eventually. I remember her saying, just let your body shake and do whatever you need to do to express whatever wants to be expressed. And I listened to that and I got home and I expressed a very deep desire that I had to my partner at the time and the shaking stopped and I cried a lot. (laughs) So while I was working with my client who was shaking on my table, um, having this experience in my back pocket as a reference, it didn't necessarily decrease my anxiety um, when he started to shake, but it did allow for my conscious mind to come on board and remind me that this is part of the process. And I'll be honest, there was a part of me that wasn't really believing that. I thought that he was going to shake for the rest of his life, (laughs) right? How irrational is that? That's what our brain does though. And that's why we actually resist so many of our emotions because there's a primitive part of us that tells us what we're experiencing is going to last forever. And if we don't move away from it, we'll never get out, right? Okay, so here's how to manage that part of us during a session. Whether someone's crying, yelling, shaking, or even like disassociating, Whatever's happening, that part of us that's scared or anxious or insecure, thinking that something has gone wrong or that we aren't the best practitioner for this person, the best way to move through that might surprise you, but here it is. Allow it. Allow it to be there. Allow the fear. Allow the anxiety, the insecurity, and the doubt. And now when I say allow, that doesn't mean that you need to attach to it or believe it. Allowing it means acknowledging that it's there, noticing where it is in your own body and being fully present with it. These feelings, these sensations are merely vibrations that we're experiencing. Emotions are waveforms. Yet, we have a tendency to associate them, especially the uncomfortable ones, with something has gone wrong. When we can't get to a place of being able to hold space for that during a session, it's impossible to be able to hold hold space for our clients. Okay, so what we want to get to is being able to hold space for us when we're experiencing those things during a session. And then when we get to that point, we can master the art of holding space for our clients. And this is huge. I mean, really think about it. When we're resisting our own feelings because we think we shouldn't be scared or anxious or insecure, how do we show up in that moment with our client? 
we're in our thinking mind and we're not present with them. And when we can allow our own emotions, we are present with what is. And when we're present with what is, we can move through it and more easily trust in the process. Now, one of the best ways to get practice at this is not just in sessions, but allowing your emotions outside of sessions. So when you're feeling discomfort in everyday life, notice what you do with it. Do you resist it? Do you try and avoid it? Do you react to it? Or do you allow it? Okay, so I'm going to go through each of those ones because, and I'll explain um, how you know what you're doing with your emotions. Okay, so here's what resisting emotion looks like. Resisting emotion looks like telling yourself that you shouldn't be feeling a certain way. And this is one of the most detrimental things we can do to ourselves is to tell ourselves that what we're experiencing is not valid. Okay, don't do that to yourself. You know how you should be feeling the way that you do because you are feeling the way that you do. When fear comes up or sadness or disappointment or whatever it is, you know you're resisting when you actually create more tension in your body. Discomfort already um, creates tension, right? And what we do is we tend to pile it up, more, more resistance, more tension on the resistance, on top of the resistance. It's kind of like pushing a beach ball underwater, it creates so much tension that eventually the beach ball pops up because you can't hold it down anymore. And then there's even more of that emotion <laughs> that feels even more uncomfortable. All right. So that's resisting. Here's what avoiding emotion looks like. Finding something else to do that temporarily covers up that emotion. So eating, shopping, scrolling, or finding some other distraction to get your mind off it. These kind of activities I refer to as buffering. We're trying to buffer the emotion away instead of experiencing them for what they are. And what this does is along the same lines of resisting. When we avoid our emotions, they don't actually go away. We're just simply prolonging the discomfort. Okay, so that's avoiding. Here's what reacting to emotion looks like. When you're feeling something come up and like, let's say, um, anger, you yell, you act out, and you just basically react in a way that doesn't serve you or others. And what happens when we do this is we begin to layer emotions. So if we're experiencing anger and we yell, we feel worse because now we've just layered guilt on top of that anger. Okay. So that is what reacting emotion looks like. So what does allowing emotion look like? Let's take anger, for example. Allowing anger would look like taking a moment to really experience how anger feels in your body. Where is it? Find its location in your body and open up to it and breathe with it. Open up and breathe so much that you can describe the consistency of the vibration in great detail. What does anger feel like in my body? Is it hot, thick, sticky? What color is it? And you just want to continue to describe it to yourself, either out loud or silently, whatever works for you, 
while you breathe and you open up to it. And you'll notice that the more that you open up to it, the more that vibration is able to express, the more that that waveform is able to express and not express in a yelling kind of way, right? That's reacting to that emotion, but express as in like complete its cycle. Okay, so let's take anxiety because anxiety is a common thing that experience can uh, practitioners can experience in a session. So allowing anxiety during a session would be noticing where it is in your body and opening up to it enough that you can describe exactly what it feels like in your body, what the consistency is, what the temperature is, the color, just be with that waveform. And when you can do that, then you can be with the client where they're at too. You can really um, be present in the present moment, allowing yourself to feel what you're experiencing and allowing the client to have their experience. It's nothing that we need to get away from. It's nothing that we need to fix. It's nothing that we need to distract ourselves from. Now, I do this practice with myself outside of my sessions on a regular basis. And let me tell you, um, by allowing my own emotion, I save myself time. I save myself energy. I'm more present in my relationships. My um, relationships are healthier, especially with myself. And I'm so much less reactive. And I don't feel the need to protect myself, to get defensive about things, because I feel safe in just being with what is. And it's a really beautiful thing to master. And when you can do that for yourself, then you are so wonderfully capable of doing that for others. It's like magic. So this is really the first part in learning and practicing holding space, is doing it for yourself. All right. So stay tuned for next week, the second part of this Holding Space podcast series. I love you all. Please be well. And if you wouldn't mind, please leave me a review for this podcast. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. you're feeling stuck on where to go next and you're wanting to grow a thriving practice so that you can serve more people, increase your finances, and increase your freedom, let's hop on a call together. I want to hear all about it. Visit my website at jillianfaldmo.com to learn how I can help you.